Well, the past couple of weeks, we have been talking about in, engaging uh, the people around you for the sake of the good news of Jesus. And two weeks ago, Eric was here and talked about throwing a, a party for your neighbors like Matthew did when uh, Jesus first called him. He went home, had a party, had people over, and Jesus met them there. And we sort of, we sort of didn't really say why you ought to do that. And then last week, I reminded you that Jesus looked out on the crowd and uh, had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said, "Pray the Lord of the harvest that he'll uh, send forth laborers into the harvest." They didn't really say why somebody ought to do that other than said other than that Jesus said you should, right? But why? Why would you pray the Lord of the harvest? Why would you be a harvester? In the the bulletin that you received this morning, there's a panel that says opportunities to serve. And there's all sorts of things from restocking the pews and spot cleaning the, the cushions to uh, leading a coffee cart team. All sorts of uh, opportunities here for you to, to serve the Lord and serve the Lord through the church. And then it occurred to me, why would anyone do that? Why would I as a pastor ask you to do that. In other words, what is what is the point of it and what's I don't know, what what's in it for you, you might say. I mean I hate to say it that way. That sounds really bad, doesn't it? But the funny thing is Jesus Jesus answered that question. Jesus was concerned that you understand why you ought to serve and why you ought to follow Him when it might feel like doing something else uh, would work out better. And so I, I like to think of it in terms that Jesus used. Jesus used economic terms when He was talking about why you ought to be a servant in His vineyard. Why you ought to follow Him he, when, he, when he did that, he, he used the, the terms of common laborers, economic terms that all of us understand in, in a different sphere in our lives, but he applied those to what it means to be a Jesus follower. And so this morning, I want to just engage what Jesus had to say about the economics of the kingdom. In order to do that, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 20. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus introduces us to the, to the way that the economics work when it comes to following Jesus. So let's take a look at it. Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. 
he was and going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too and whatever is right, I'll give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing and he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only an hour. And you've made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So, the last will be first and the first last. Now here, Jesus Jesus tells a story. Whenever Jesus wants to get to some profound idea, it seems that He tells us a story. He doesn't just recite a, a platitude or give us even a proverb, but rather He just wants us to get it in the form of a story. And so He tells us the story of the workers in the vineyard. And before I begin to explain you know, kind of what he's talking about here, I think we need to kind of backtrack just a little bit and say, why would he tell the story? What would prompt Jesus to tell the story of the workers in the vineyard? The kingdom of heaven is like a man who went out and hired workers for his vineyard. Why would he tell us that? In order to get at why Jesus would even tell that story in the first place, you have to back up to chapter 19. And in chapter 19, Peter asks him a question. Peter said in reply, We have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Okay, it's probably, probably worth backing up just a little more, saying, Why would Peter ask that question? Jesus had just encountered the rich young ruler. Okay, the rich young ruler is the guy who said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, You must keep the commandments. He said, all these I've done since I was a kid. And Jesus said, fine. Take all that you have, sell it, and give it to the poor, and then you'll have um, treasure in heaven. It says the man went away sad because he had great possessions. And Jesus told His disciples, it's harder for a rich man to enter heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And the disciples said, who then can be saved? 
In other words, this is crazy. Whatever is going on here with this kingdom that Jesus is talking about is crazy. Because camels don't go through eyes of needles. How does this even work? But Peter, he's thinking about it in a minute. He said, sell all you have and give the poor and follow me. Hey! Hey! I've left everything already! I've already left everything! <laughs> What's in it for me? This could be good, right? And Peter asked the question, what then will we have? All right, Jesus. The rich people don't get it. This other guy didn't get it. But we have followed you. What, what is going to be in it for us? And this is what Jesus says. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. And many who are first will be last and the last first. Now, we, we just read that, didn't we, in chapter 20? So, I figure that chapter 20 goes back to trying to explain this. Many who are first will be last and the last first. This is the thing that requires explanation with the story. It's this. When Jesus is saying, you'll receive a hundredfold in eternal life for following Me, the first will be last and the last first. That's what requires explanation with the story. And so here we have Jesus' explanation for what it means to you and I when we follow Him. And He starts off by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. Which is a, it's really a wonderful way for Jesus to introduce this. He, he uses this introduction seven times in the Gospel of Matthew. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field. Man for joy sells all that he has and goes to buy the field so that he might gain that treasure. That's the way the kingdom works. That's what the kingdom is like. The kingdom is like a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who found a great pearl and sold all that he had so he could buy the pearl. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest little seed planted, grows up in this huge bush, and the, the birds of the, the air take refuge in it. The kingdom of heaven is like a lump of bread, and it's just the little leavens in there, and pretty soon the whole lump rises. How does that work? That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. You see, Jesus loves to tell stories about the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house who brings out good things and bad things, his best and not his best to put on display. And he just tells these stories so that we just have to stop and say, What is that kingdom of heaven actually going to be like? 
is the kingdom of heaven going to be like the kingdom that I encounter Monday through Friday? Is the kingdom of heaven going to be like what I normally experience down here? If it is, what's going to be so great about it? If it's not, I better pay attention. And so here in Matthew 20, he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is the, this is the way that the economics of the kingdom of heaven, this is the way they work. Let me tell you about it. The master of the house went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't the way that we normally conduct business where somebody has an uh, annual contract or where they have a six-month contract or where they have a, a job with no expiration date. This was like the owner of the vineyard went out into the town marketplace and here were some folks holding signs, right? Will work today. Family in need. Okay, you've seen those signs, right? It's kind of like that. And this owner of this vineyard went out first thing in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. It's interesting to me that, that Peter's question was, we have left everything to follow you. And so, in, P, in Peter's mind, and in the discussion they're having, the question is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And the answer in Jesus' story is, it means to be a laborer in his vineyard. See, there isn't two kinds of folks. There isn't the, the people who are followers of Jesus and the people who are laboring for Jesus. And these folks are the folks that just you know don't get busy. And these are the folks that are getting worn out. There aren't two groups here. To follow Jesus is to serve Jesus. To be part of the kingdom is to be a servant in the kingdom. And so he's telling this story. The master of the house went out in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. So first thing, the crack of dawn, he goes out and he strikes up a, a pledge, a contract, an agreement with these day laborers for denarius. Now, a denarius, none of you have ever um, probably used a denarius uh, when you've gone grocery shopping, but it's, it's an equivalent of a day's wage. It's just a silver coin that uh, they would use in this economy where they would work a day at a time to be paid a day at a time. It would make sense you'd have a coin that would do that function for the work of uh, the day. And so they struck up the agreement. We'll pay you a fair wage for a fair day's work. And he sent them out into his vineyard. So the owner of the vineyard got what he was after. The workers got what they were after. They're going to get paid. He's going to get the work done. But the worker in the vineyard, or the, the master of the vineyard, recognizes there's more to do here than this little band of people that I uh, just hired. And so he went out again on the third hour. Now, just it's probably important that you know that the hours, the, the nighttime didn't really have hours, okay, back in the day before clocks, right? The nighttime had watches where watchmen would, would kind of guard the city or guard something. Uh, the shepherds would guard the sheep. But the day was divided into 12 uh, segments or hours. And they were longer in the summer and shorter in the winter. But they were 
segments. Okay, He went out at the very beginning, hired these workers for denarius, which was a fair day's wage. Then about three hours into it, he's looking at his um, vineyard saying, there's more grapes here than these guys are going to bring in. I need more workers. And so at about nine o'clock, he went out, went back to the marketplace. There's more people out there, more signs. He says, how would you like to work in the vineyard? And they said, "Okay, tell you what, you go to my vineyard and I'll give you what is fair. Whatever's right, I'll give to you. Now, this is important because this isn't the same kind of contract that the first workers had. This is, this is a contract based on the rightness of the vineyard owner. Based on his word. Based on what he deems to be right. In other words, when they go to the vineyard, they're going trusting that the owner of the vineyard will do for them what is right. Rather than going to the vineyard to execute a contract and hold up their end of a bargain. So there is a difference between these third hour workers and the first. And so they went. Going out again, about the sixth hour, and the ninth hour, he did the same. Now, you're getting the impression that the owner of this vineyard is just looking at what's going on in the vineyard saying, there must be more. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to get more people in this vineyard. So he goes out this, at, um, he went out at nine in the morning, he goes out again at noon, the sixth hour, he goes out at about three in the afternoon, the ninth hour, and he hires people and tells them, I'm going to give you what's right. And then about the eleventh hour, okay, what's that going to be? That's going to be about five at night, okay, they're going to go till dinner time or so, maybe six. The eleventh hour, he went out and he found others standing. Okay, they're all still out there waiting for somebody to pick him up. And he said to them, he, so the conversation is different again. Why do you stand here idle all day? If you think about why he's asking this group that question, it becomes pretty obvious as you think about it. They've been there for perhaps 11 hours. Maybe they were last in line. Maybe they knew nobody would pick them up earlier. Maybe, maybe they were invalid and couldn't work. And all the, the able-bodied people got taken. It's like, kind of like um, kind of kickball at recess, right? They picked the teams and these are the people that get picked. That's, that's, that's what they say. Here's their answer. No one has hired us. We didn't get picked for a team. Okay, I mean, here's these, here are these scrawny little guys with plastic shovels, okay, and no one hires them. No one has picked us up. That's, that's their answer. They're standing there because of their weakness. They're the last chosen for the team. Because their act is not together. They are not the same as the other groups. And he said, you go into the vineyard too. I'll include even you. In fact, he said, I want you. Go to my vineyard. 
And who knows? Maybe nobody hired them yesterday or the day before. I mean, they're the last in line every day, I imagine. You go into the vineyard too. And so then the evening comes, the day is over, and this owner of the vineyard, he says to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. Now, it's this little detail that gives us the hint that something pretty interesting is about to happen. Now, why would this um, activist vineyard owner who goes out every three hours recruiting new workers, why would he tell his foreman, call them, but make sure you pay them in reverse order? Okay, he's, he's, he's telling us that's going to be the key to what is about to happen. This reverse order thing. Because remember, what Jesus is explaining is the last are going to be first and the first last. And I want to explain to you how this works. And so He calls them. And those who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a full day's wage. Each received a full day's wage, a denarius. Now imagine, because this is, I think, what he wants you to imagine. Okay, in fact, I mean, some of you, some of you probably think about yourself in relation to what you know you could do for the Lord, or how you could be employed in the uh, the the work of God in the kingdom, and you say, "I can't do anything." You know, who am I? I've never, I, I, I've never, you know, received any training. I've never, what can I do, right? And maybe you identify with this 11th hour group. And here, here are the economics of the kingdom. Those of you who are weak, those of you who feel unable, those of you who are broken down, harassed and helpless perhaps, guess what? Full day's wage. Full day's wage. Nothing like that ever happens, right? And so, you knew this was coming. When those hired first, so we assume that they went 11th, 9th, 6th, 3rd, and now we're at the end. Now when those hired first came, ah, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house. I'm just going to guess. I'm just going to guess that as you read this, you thought they'd get more too. I did. That's what bothers me about this. I thought they'd get more. And they grumbled. Do you know what I'm inclined to do? 
I'm inclined to think I should get more and I grumble. I'm just going to say that. Now, as you think about these workers, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, right? This, the, the kingdom of heaven is just sort of like this. You're going to identify with probably one of those two groups. You're going to identify with those hired first. And, you know, maybe you've been the one teaching Sunday school for 26 years. And you're thinking, nobody else loves these kids. Right? If I could just find a replacement, I'd get out of here as quick as I could. Or maybe you identify with the 11th hour folks and say, you know what? I teach those kids, but I can't. What do I have to offer? That's what the kingdom of heaven's like. We had all sorts of folks even in between here who some are identifying with those hired early and they're tired and they're grumbling and they think that they should receive more because they have, they're working under the assumption that they have a contract with God. That my perseverance, that my hard work, that my years of service, that my time in the trenches counts for something. God owes me. See, that, that's really what's at stake here. Is God owes me. Doesn't He know I've borne the burden of the day? That's what He says. We've borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat when they only worked one hour. Doesn't He know that? Doesn't He know how many really beautiful Oregon weekends I've missed because I signed up to serve somebody at church? Doesn't He know how trashed my house was when I threw that neighborhood party? None, none of the other neighbors even cared. Doesn't he? What's wrong with Him? Right? And we grumble. And we all look for things that, that say we should have better. And really... If you think about it, this is why Jesus tells this story. He tells this story for Peter. Because Peter asks the question, what are we going to get? What are we going to get? Thinking, thinking that I'm going to do this so God gives me something. And if you are in that mode of operation, then you don't understand the kingdom. Because the kingdom is about the grace and the generosity of God. And when you see, when you see this, they thought they would receive more. What they're doing, I, I hate to say, they're doing what you do, they're doing what I do. They're looking around and they're comparing. They're comparing how hard everybody else worked to how hard they work. They're comparing how invested everybody is in this kingdom. However, how hard they're working in the vineyard. How much they're sacrificing. And they're comparing. And you know, you know what 
the Scripture says about comparison. He who compares himself with another is not wise. It's really pretty simple. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians. Whoever compares himself with somebody else is not wise. Comparison kills gratitude. Comparison suffocates grace. That's what we have going on here. Here this master of the house was gracious to include them in the kingdom. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. He's including people hired in the morning. And what are they doing? They're grumbling. Because they're comparing, thinking that somehow they're better, somehow they deserve more. They don't get the economics of the kingdom. These guys only worked one hour. We borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Surely we'll get more. And here's what Jesus tells them. Here, so, l- let me just say, how do you expect Jesus to respond to people who are grumbling, right? To people who are upset with Him. Okay, the owner of the vineyard, they're grumbling against Him. What does the owner of the vineyard say? Friend. Friend, really? Am I, I'm doing you no wrong. I'm giving you exactly what I promised you I would give you. Everything else comes from your inflated opinion of yourself. Did we not agree that you'd work one day for one day's wage? It's exactly what we talked about. Take what belongs to you and go. I chose to give this last worker as I give to you. And what you have here is this, the sovereign choice of the vineyard owner. What you have is the grace of the vineyard owner to say, I'm going to include people in this who don't deserve it. And I just love this part of the conversation. Am I not allowed to do with what I choose with what belongs to me? And do you begrudge my generosity? See, one of the tragic things about this kingdom is that there are people who begrudge the generosity of the king who defines the kingdom. And we have all sorts of it we have all sorts of imaginations about what I should deserve. I should deserve, you know, uh, more comfort, more wealth, more health, a happier family. I should I, I deserve and I begrudge the fact that God gives that to anybody. I deserve bigger reward after all of my hard work for Jesus. And he says, everybody gets it because I give it. Period. So, we're back to where we started. The last will be first and the first last. This kingdom is an upside down kingdom. This kingdom is a kingdom where the happy generosity of the vineyard owner 
forms the economic platform for the transactions. It's not the hard work of the worker. It's not the years of service. It's not the sacrifice and the missed opportunities. It is the generosity of the vineyard owner. That's how the kingdom, that's what the kingdom is like. The kingdom of like, the kingdom of heaven is like you landed in the vineyard of a generous landowner. And you didn't deserve it. And if you think you did, you don't understand the vineyard owner. And so I started by saying, why? Why would you look at that page on the bulletin and say, you know what? I hate getting up in the morning, but I'm going to go work at Coffee Cart. Why would you say that? Or maybe, why would you give up your Friday night and serve at uh, CR? Because even this morning, it's, well, by my watch, it's like the fifth hour. And there's a generous vineyard owner inviting you to work in the vineyard. Say, I tell you what, I will give you what is right. Are you going to trust him? Are you going to say, but wait a minute, I don't have a contract here. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to get out of it. If I give up my Friday nights, what am I going to get in return? If I give up my weekends or my, my sunny Sunday mornings, what am I going to get? If I sign on, what if I don't, what if no one ever replaces me? What am I going to get? See, all of this thinking that it's going to be about us and our deserving, we completely miss what the kingdom of heaven is like. And what, what you have there in that panel, what you have when you're asked to pray to the Lord of the harvest, what you have when you're, um, when Matthew models for you having a party for your neighbors, what you have there is an invitation from the King to be part of His work building His kingdom and He'll give you what's right. Are you going to trust Him? There's a vineyard owner going out this very morning. He's looking at you saying, hey, will you come work in my vineyard? I'll give you what's right. And the funny thing about what's right when you trust the vineyard owner, it's better than you deserve. You couldn't cut a contract as good as that. You couldn't make it pay better than it pays. I'm just going to say. That's the invitation this morning from the vineyard owner to you. Because that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. If you identify with those first workers and you chafe under the fact that you're working and other people aren't, this story's for you. If you identify with the last ones and you say, I have nothing to offer, this story's for you. Because there is a king who is building a kingdom with the invitation 
to those who are late to the game, those who are weak, those who are invalid, those who haven't been hired yet, those who may have to sacrifice something to be part of it. And His invitation is, will you trust Me to make it worth your while? Ultimately, that's really the question. That's the economics of the kingdom. Because as Jesus told Peter, on that day, when I sit on My glorious throne, okay, those of you who have given up father or mother or sister or brother or land or houses or any such thing for My sake, you'll receive a hundredfold. And eternal life. Where are you going to get an economic deal like that? Except serving the King in the Kingdom. Because the last will be first and the first will be last. And this Kingdom, this happy Kingdom, is upside down. Let's pray. Oh, great God and Father, Lord of the kingdom, owner of the vineyard, we're here this morning, we hear you call, and we want to trust you. We want to believe that you'll make it worth our while. God, will you give us hearts to believe and eyes that see what's unseen? So, Father, I thank You that we're not looking for a kingdom that's just like this one. But we're looking, we're looking for a day when Jesus reigns on a glorious throne and the workers that serve Him will happily receive more than they could ask or imagine. So, God, would You help us to believe that? Would You help us to give our lives away for this kingdom. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.